through verses 2 through 11, there's a, we, he's going to explain the gamut of emotions that he goes through. And you can feel it as you digest it, as you take it in and try to understand it to the best that we can in our humanity. David's going through this at a time and the things are, that he is seeing, the things that he is experiencing, relating to his own particular time and his life. And as we go through these, we too see them, we experience them, and we have great wonderment about how these things can continue to go on. And my question right here would be, does any of this resonate with you? Because as I read this, I can feel the emotions, even in my own self, as I read through there and I go, yeah, yeah, I, I understand that. I, I know that feeling. I, I, I know that emotion. And sometimes, if I'm really honest with you, it flares an indignancy in, me, in my spirit because I'm going, how can I, how, why am I feeling that way? Why, why, I know God's in control in my mind, but I, wanna, I want revenge. I want to I wanna know why those people are getting away with treating people so bad. How come there's no consequences for their behavior? Where are you, God? Why? Why is this? For what reason are these things taking place? Verse 3 says, For the wicked boast in his heart's desire. Well, if you remember correctly, the scriptures tell us that our heart is deceitfully wicked. And so you got to remember in their humanity, but you also got to remember too, this is just thought just came up. These are not believers. He's, if they were believers, they wouldn't be behaving this way. So he's saying, why are these non-believers, why are these people doing all this stuff and they're still getting blessed? They're boasting all these things. They're doing all these wicked things and they're still being blessed, you might say. Or they're still being prosperous, let's say. They're certainly not being blessed by God, but they are prospering. They're getting away with it. It says, for the wicked boasts in his heart's desire and the greedy man curses and disrespects disrespects, curses and disrespects. Man, I got I to tell you that that touches so much of my old behavior in my life. I don't, does that touch anybody else or do, am I the only, only one that's behaved badly in, in my life? Yeah, I hear you. I'm the only one, yeah, okay. I'm the only one. Well, I'm the only one of me, thank goodness. So let's look at verse 4 for a second. Verse 4 says, The wicked, here we go, and the haughtiness of their countenance does not seek him. They're strutting around. Yeah, I've got it going on. No consequences. I'm prospering. I'm haughty. Yeah, look at me, man. I'm so cool. No respect, no respect. Oh, that's Rodney Dangerfield. But no respect to God. 
No respect even for their fellow man as we're going to see as we continue to move on. And all of his thoughts are, there is no God. Psalm 14 says, a fool says in his heart says there's no God. The fools say that there is no God. They might even say, I don't need God. I'm so prosperous, look at me. I'm walking on water here. I don't need God. The fool says in their heart that there is no God. Verse 5 says, his ways prosper. Prosper at all times. Your judgments are on high, out of his sight. Out of his sight. He God, where's God? Can he see that these guys are all prospering along the way? They're evil, they're wicked, and they're prospering. Hmm. Do we know anybody in high places in these days that are prospering? And they're taking people for a ride to meet their own goals and demands. They don't care who they walk over. They don't care what they do, what they do to somebody else as long as they get what they want out of the situation in their, in their haughtiness, in their pride. I, I don't need God. I can do it myself. You get that attitude about them. It's interesting, even the Bible says that good is, sin is good for a season. Oh, but that season comes to an end at some point. They may be prospering now, but they're not going to be prospering later. Amen, church? Amen. They may be getting away with it now, but they're not going to get away with it. They may think that God don't see, but God does see. God sees everything. Amen. I love you. <laughs> yeah, sees everything. Sees everything. Um. Your judgments are on high, out of his sight. As for all of his adversaries, he snorts at them. Huh, you ain't nothing. You ain't nothing. Cops, cops, you aren't nothing. I don't need you. I'll be my own justice. I'll be my own enforcer. I've made it this far. I'll make it the rest of the way. The attitude, you're getting at the attitude of the person. See, David's looking at this and he's going, man. You know, David wasn't all that perfect either, but he certainly, certainly had respect for the Lord, even in the end. He respected the Lord. He loved the Lord. Then many was perfect. None of us are perfect, and I'm not expecting that I'm trying to convey a message like that, that we're, we're going to be perfect because we're not going to be but one thing about it is that when we have Jesus in our heart, we have a tendency, we have the propensity to change, to become new creations in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.17. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have come new. We're not, those, we're not that person anymore, praise the Lord. We're not that person Verse 6, he says, I will not be moved. He says to himself, I will not be moved. Pride, ego, 
selfishness. I will not be moved. There ain't nobody going to move me. I am my own man, sometimes they would say. I am my own God, even, to some degree, they might say. You can't move me. You can't come against me. I'm powerful. I'm also powerful. Couldn't be further from the truth. All of his adversaries, or I'm sorry, I will not be moved. Throughout all generations, I will not be in adversity. I will not be in trouble. I'm just going to stroll through, man. I'm just going to stroll through this life. I want to walk on people along the way, get what I want. I'm going to prosper in everything that I do. Problem with that is, man, this is not the only life that we have. This is, there's a better life. There's a, another life, a continuance of our life in the, in, the, in the resurrection power of our Savior. When we, when, they, they say that when we die, we, you know, so people will believe that when you die, you just die and go away. I believe that when we pass away here, we become more alive than we've ever been in our life. We become more alive because we're with Jesus. We're in our resurrected body with him. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Ow, I love that. I love that. How can, I, how, can I, how can you say that there's no God if you expect to be with him in paradise? Even the thief on the cross had more common sense than that. To understand Verse 7, his mouth is full of curses and deceit and oppression. He's a liar. His mouth is full of curses and deceit. He's a liar. He's double-tongued. You know, people like that, they'll speak one way over here, one, one way this way, and one way this way, double-tongued. Why do they do that? To get what they want. Because they're liars, they're cheaters, they're thieves. I'll say it. All you have to do is watch TV right now. I'm not going to mention any names because I think you know. But they're double-tongued. They talk out this side to one person and they talk to the public this way. Do you think that they're going to get away with that forever? Now, granted, they could get away with it now. And, quite frankly, a lot of them are. But there's a payday coming. There's a payment going to be due at some point in time. And in my humanity, I want them to have a bummer time right now, right? (laughs) But that's not true. That's not right either, right? We need to pray for those people. We need to pray for all those in authority whether we like it or not. Because they were put in there by God for such a time as this. And we might go, why? For what reason? I don't have that answer. I don't have that answer. Look at verse 8. 
He sits in the lurking places of the village. Sneaky. Sneaky. In the hiding places, he kills the innocent. His eyes stealthily watch for the unfortunate. He's a predator. There are predators out there right now that are not being caught. And we're wondering, why can't they catch those people? Why? Lord, why aren't they catching those predators? They've been on the run for all this time. They've raped and killed and murdered all these different people, Lord, and yet they're still free. They're by no means free, but they think they are. Why are they getting away with it, Lord? For what reason are they getting away with it? They lurk. They're predators. They creep around and they trap people. They wait in hiding. You can almost picture it. Can you picture it with me? I I do this to uh, Carol occasionally that works here, Carol (laughs) Massara. She'll be cleaning and I'll creep up on her. (laughs) And I'll scare the water out of her, so to speak. (laughs) But it's all in fun. It's all in fun. But these people are not all in fun. They're, They're after people to seek, kill, and destroy. Who else? is out to seek, kill, and destroy. Satan. That's his whole gig, is to seek, kill, and destroy. And he's using these people, and we know what happened to him, and we also know what else is going to happen to him. Look at verse 10. They crouch down. And, and you know, They say they never use props, but what the heck. You get the point, right? They're just peering and seeing what they can do to overtake them. They're waiting and hiding so they can pounce on them. He crouches, he bows down, and the unfortunate fall by his mighty ones. He says to himself, listen to what he says. He says to him, God has forgotten. He has hidden his face. He will never see it. Thinks he's got away with it. God has forgotten. Let me tell you this. If you run in sin long enough, you'll think you're going to get away with it too. You run in sin long enough, you keep going and going and going. You begin, to, you begin to believe your own press. You begin to think that you are invincible, that God has turned a blind eye, that God doesn't really care. And we begin to rationalize, minimize, and justify our behaviors in our mind. And the next thing you know, we get deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into sin. It's a lot like addiction, isn't it? It doesn't have to be addiction to drugs and alcohol. It can be addiction to pornography. It could be addiction to gambling. There's even a workaholic. You could be addicted to work where you work too much. And that becomes your focus. That becomes your 
hideaway, your, your getaway point. If I work enough, then I don't have to deal with stuff at home. If I, if I fantasize about different things, then I don't have to do other things. It's, all, it's just craziness how, how our mind works. And here when David, is, when David is outlining all this for us, he's like, his mind, I almost feel like he's, he's, <laughs> I almost feel like he's just tripping, man. You know? He's like, I just can't believe all this is going on. I can't believe all these things are taking place and, and nothing is happening. They're prospering and they're flourishing. They're hiding behind. They're killing people. They're taking people out. They're destroying people's lives. Where are you, God? Why don't you care? Why don't you care what's going on to your people? Have you turned a blind eye? Do you really not care about your kids? Do you really not care about humanity? Just something to think about, right? When I, when I go through that and I continually read this, it just absolutely blows my mind because if I'm really, really honest with all of you, this was my life before this. And I'm thinking, I'm not the only one in this room that that was your life. We were very selfish and greedy. There were times when we didn't care about who we walked on. We didn't care about times who we destroyed or we might say, throw under the bus. To benefit, to move on, to prosper. We don't think about the ramifications of the things that we do because we're so self-absorbed. term that comes to mind is self-righteous. As we've talked about through some of the verses here. They have become self-righteous in believing their own press about, I'm going to get away with this. God doesn't care. God's out of the picture. He says to himself, God has forgotten. He has hidden his face. He'll never see it. He'll never see the things that I do. So why would I just keep on doing it? I'm going to get away with it. Because maybe you don't know how the end of the book ends, or how the book ends, right? Maybe you don't know the final story about how things totally unfold. Now we're going to be in verse 12. We're going to run to the end of the chapter. But I love this part because there's a, you can almost feel an attitude change. Remember, I said that David is writing this from the human perspective. In the flesh, you might say, right? We get in the flesh, and we start running down these roads, and we start picking at things and looking at things, and we get distracted from what we really need to be looking at, and I think that's what David did here. I think David was so disgusted what was going on that his entire focus 
was on what other people were doing. And I think that sometimes we might fall into that. That we are so concerned about what other people are doing that we take our eyes off of of Jesus and then the next thing you know, we're questioning why. Why, why, why? We already know why. Look at verse 12 with me. Arise, O Lord, lift up your hand. It's reference to God's power. Lift up your power. Arise, O Lord, lift up your power. Do not forget the afflicted. Lord, this attitude of prayer changes. Lord, don't forget the afflicted. Lord, don't forget. You know, we've been talking about the, the wicked over here. What about the victims of that? What about the people that were killed and mutilated and beat up and battered and ripped off and lied to and cheated and stole from and all these things? What about those people? He says, Lord, do not forget the afflicted. Don't forget them, Lord. There is some true, honest people out there, Lord, that want to seek your face, that want to follow you, that want to take up their cross and follow you all the time, Lord. What about those people? Don't forget those people, Lord. And then in verse 13, he says why again, the third why. Why has the wicked disrespected God? Some versions say spurned. It's just another word for disrespected. Why has the wicked disrespected God? He has said to himself, you will not require it. You will not require it. It's not required. Thirteen, fourteen. You have seen it. You have seen it, for you have beheld mischief and vexation to the to take it to your hand. The unfortunate, the unfortunate commits himself to you. You have seen it. You have beheld it. Nothing has escaped you. All the things that we have talked about, all the things David brought before the Lord here, all the things that Jesus or the David was crying out to the Lord about, nothing escapes God. You have seen it, for you have beheld mischief and vexation. You have seen it, Lord. You have it in your memory bank, Lord. You have seen it from beginning to end. And you've taken it in your hand. Power. The mighty hand of God has seen it. See, we don't escape that either, guys. We don't escape that either. We we don't escape God either. He sees everything that we do. Even as as believers, right? He, He knows everything. He knows everything. We can't escape it. The unfortunate commits himself to you. You have been the helper of the orphan. God is our advocate. He is our advocate. He is for us, not against us. 
Greater is he that is in you than is he that is in the world. Because we are believers in Jesus Christ, he has given us the power and authority to overcome our past behaviors. Through his spirit that indwells in us, we have power to overcome any and all obstacles in our life. Whether it's lying, cheating, pornography, drugs, alcohol, gambling, workaholic, aholicaholic, nameaholic, you name it. Because you are a believer in him, he has given you the power to overcome those things. So when we look back, or when David looks back at this, now he's, now he's breaking it down a little bit different, isn't he? He's remembering, if you will, or realizing again the power that, it, that God has in this situation. He is our advocate. He helps us. He walks us through. Look at, verse, look at verse 15. There's still a little, little bit of a revenge in there, right? Still just a little taste, right? Break the arm of the wicked. <laughs> yeah, baby. <laughs> Maybe that'll get their attention. Break his arm! Well, you know, when the, when the shepherd would take care of the sheep and the sheep would keep wandering, 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 he'd break his leg, right? So he couldn't throw him around his neck. Maybe that's kind of the same... You know, break his arm, get his attention. <laughs> break the arm of the wicked and the evil. Seek out the wickedness until, he, until you find none. Until you find none. You get it? So many times we have prayed for people, and maybe you've done this in your own family. Lord, break them. Maybe it's your son or your daughter, maybe it's your spouse. They get wrapped up in stuff, and you'll say, Lord, break them. Take them to the end, Lord. Whatever that looks like for them. Jails, institution, or death, oh my. Take them to the end, Lord, where they, they look up where there is no more, where they have no place to go but to look up to you. Hmm. Look what he says in verse 16. The Lord is king, come on church, forever and ever. There is a recognition here of who God is. He is the Lord, is the king forever, and nations have perished from his land. Oh Lord, you have heard the desire of the humble. I'm going to finish the chapter here real quick. Oh, Lord, you have heard the desire of the humble. You will strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear to vindicate the orphan and the oppressed so that the man who is of earth will no longer cause terror. There's a breaking point there. God, break his arm. Do what you have to do to change this person, Lord, so they will look up and recognize who you are and recognize even greater the need for you. We can do nothing good apart from God. He gives us the power and the ability to walk through trials. He put people in the furnace and never got burned. 
put somebody in the lion's den and never got eaten or bitten or marred or scarred. Of course, we're talking about Daniel, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. And he can do that for you and he can do that for me as we continue to move forward, as we continue to seek his face and recognize who he is. See, these people that David has been talking about, they may get away with it in the moment, but they won't get away with it in the long run. The long run is called eternity. We will not get away with it either if we continue to run in, those, in that vein. If we continue to do the wrong thing over and over again, there is consequences for our behavior. There is consequences. The Lord is king, recognizing his deity, sovereign over all things. Verse 17, you have heard the desire of the humble, the prayer of his children. You have heard the prayer of his children. You will strengthen their heart, incline your ear, and he listens. Verse 18, to vindicate, to deliver, so that the man of earth, the evildoers, people of earth, will no longer cause terror. Let me see if I can combine this for you real quick. So when we pray, he listens. When he listens, he answers and he delivers us. Delivery equals freedom. Get that? Verses 17 and 18, if you break those down, that's what we're going to get. If we pray, he will listen. In fact, it says he will incline his ear. I take that as he doesn't want to miss a word of it. That he wants to hear everything that you got to say. You got, he's, he, you got his full attention because he's leaning over. He's inclining his ear. What, what, what is it? What is it? I want to make sure that I get it right. Are you praying? If you're praying, let me tell you, God's listening. Now, you got to pray with the right motive. We all know that. But if you're praying to be delivered and freed from the things that you're struggling with, he wants to hear you. He wants to free you. He wants to set you free from the things that are binding you and holding you back from moving forward in the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's got plans for you, plans that you may not even recognize or may not even know at this moment in time, but he has great plans for each and every one of us. The question, are you recognizing that? Are you, are you, are you walking with him? Are you, are, are you so swayed by the world that you don't have time to talk to God? I would, I would say this that this last year has been a very, very, very distracting year. And that's not, that's for everybody. Everybody in the whole world, it's been a very, and who would love that? Nobody would love that any more than Satan. To have this global distraction going on. He's, he's taking people out of the church. And I'm not saying that don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that some people shouldn't stay home for whatever reason. That's your own conscience, whatever you decide. But a lot of people are now staying home, and I'm going to say this, and because they're lazy. 
Because it's so much easier to sit on the couch or a recliner with your iced tea and your feet propped up than it is to get up and get showered, get dressed, drive to church, and then have to meet all everybody and shake their hands and hug them. I mean, come on. Isn't that true? This has been a very trying year. It's almost was one year to the day, right? I think it was yesterday. It was one year to the day that everything started shutting down. Can't go to restaurants. Can't go to movies. Can't go to the gym. Can't even go to your family's house. Can't, you can't even go to the hospital and visit somebody in the ICU. You can't even go to the hospital and see somebody on their deathbed. A nurse has to tell you, to come and tell you what, the, what their family is saying back and forth. You think that is not a distraction from the enemy? And I think that that was David's situation here. And I think, honestly, it's a lot of our situations as well. Is I think we have that tendency to look at other people. We judge other people, which is to some degree right. But we judge people so much, we put so much weight on people that we forget our own relationship with God and it goes by the wayside. Or we get so comfortable doing other things that we don't remember sometimes, or we just forget, or just too lazy to give God what's due to him. And that is a shame. That is a shame for all of us, and I'm, I'm lifting my hands too. You know what I'm saying? So there's many questions. So, so for what reason? Remember I said, for what reason? Why is God letting all this go? Why did God let all this go on with David? Why is God letting all this go right now? The best answer that I believe the Lord could give me on that is that, ready? God is long-suffering. He wants none to perish. And the reason I say this, and I believe that this is, may not be the whole picture, of course, but just a part of the pie, is that God was patient with me. This isn't the only crisis that's ever taken place on this world. He could have came back at any time he could have wiped anything out, everything out, erased it and started all over again. He could have done so many things, but he is so patient. He is so long-suffering that he wanted and he wants all of us to come to him. He doesn't want any to perish. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's all of us. Every single person in the world, he doesn't want anybody to go to hell. He doesn't want anybody to perish. So the people in David's time, the evil and wicked, 
so line up with the evil and wicked of this day, don't they? Think about it. If he didn't want them to perish then, do you think he wants them to perish now? I'm so grateful that I was 40 years old when I came to the Lord. 40. I'm not going to tell you how old I am. That was like 28 years ago. <laughs> do the math. But I'm so grateful that God waited, that God had the patience to tolerate me, to put up with my shenanigans. And I'm, if you would just look at your own life, I, unless you were perfect, I'm sure that you gave him some wise and what's that about, you know? I'm sure that he looked at you with some, what are you doing? What are you doing, John? What, what, what's that all about? But you know what? I still love you. I still love you. And he loves each and every one of you. So I'll read you my closing. Shane? Perfect. Let me, read my, let me read what I wrote real quick and then we'll just kind of cap it off there. Please know this. If you're feeling like any of these ideas or things that we have talked about through the scriptures, please do not feel discouraged. You're in good company. You are in good company. You are not the only one that feels this way. And you are not alone. One thing that seems to work pretty well when you start feeling that way is reaching out and helping somebody else. Right? See, we can, we can sit around and you know, feel sorry for ourselves or beat ourselves up, which we're pretty good at too. But once you get out of yourself and start reaching out to other people and take the focus off of yourself or the focus off the negative things that seem to be going on in the world, now you're not to have your head in the sand either, of course. You're supposed to be wise and, and all that as well. But when the things of this world get stronger or more drawing or more devastating than the relationship with God, then we got a problem. There's a separation that takes place. One becomes greater than the other. The world should never be greater than God. But our humanity, sometimes I think that happens. And if that's you tonight, we're going to pray. Ultimately, looking to the Lord for strength, encouragement, joy, and peace. The world has none of that to offer. Church, would you pray with me? Lord, as we come before you, we're so grateful, Lord Jesus, that you are long-suffering, that you are patient, and Lord, that you would have none perish, but all come to everlasting life. Lord, when we, when we look at the world right now, Lord, it's in such chaos. There are so many things that we don't understand, Lord. And Lord, yes, we do ask why. And we're in wonderment. 
But Lord, I pray that that would never be greater than our relationship with you. That we would always keep our eyes focused on you, the author and perfecter of our faith. That we would lean on you. We would cast our cares upon you because you care. Your burden is light. Lord, I just want to thank you for everyone that's here tonight, Lord. I want to thank you for those that are online as well. And Lord, I just pray that as we continue to move forward this year, Lord Jesus, that our focus would be on you and not on the virus or not on the CDC or the president or any of this other distraction, Lord. We ask that we would not be distracted from you, Lord, that we would draw closer to you. We love you, Lord Jesus. If there's anybody struggling tonight, Lord, I just want to lift them up to you, Lord, and ask that you would touch them now, even by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would fill them to overflowing with your love, your peace, your joy, your grace, and your mercy. And Lord, if there's anything going on inside them, Lord, that they would confess it before you, Lord, and repent, turn from that, Lord, and walk in a manner pleasing to you. Lord, if there's anybody here that doesn't have that personal relationship, Lord, with you, Lord, we pray, Lord, that they would, before they leave tonight, Lord Jesus, make a confession of faith. For those who have kind of just walked away for a minute, Lord, we pray that they would come back to their first love. We're so grateful, Lord. We're going to have prayer afterwards, after this closing song, and I, don't, I really don't know anybody that doesn't need prayer. Prayer is one of the greatest weapons we have in our arsenal against the enemy. So, Lord, I would just ask that uh, if there's anyone that needs prayer, Lord, that you would nudge them, Lord, to come forward for prayer. And, Lord, we just give you the glory. We're, we're just so blown away, Lord, by how you love us in spite of ourselves. Eternally grateful, Lord. Eternally grateful. In Jesus' name, amen.